This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, it doesn't seem all that long ago, but it was uh, August of 2014 when uh, Robin Williams died. And we lost uh, the comedy great. And, and as it turned out, uh, he'd been battling uh, a lot of demons. Maybe people didn't realize, right? He was such a, seemed like such a, a funny guy, happy guy. But uh, as it turned out, he took his own life. And so that, that became a part of the story. And again, I don't think there's a way that we cannot share that information to suppress those details. But I, I think there, there's an onus on the media to be careful and be responsible in how we deal with uh, a topic like suicide. Now, certainly a homicide is news. A fatal car accident is news. Uh, suicide, maybe in a way is, because it still represents a life loss, but it's, it's not something that we report on. And there's a reason for that. And so this new research kind of speaks to that. And, and why, and really underscores why we need to be careful. It finds that in the aftermath, the immediate aftermath of Robin Williams' suicide, there was an increase in the suicide rate in the United States, above and beyond what would have been expected, and that there's really nothing else you can point a finger at other than this. So why would that be the case? Why would hearing about the suicide of someone prominent lead to, to other people to do the same thing? So some, some troubling implications here, but we'll find out more about this research. David Fink is an uh, epidemiologist at the Mailman School of Public Health at Columbia University. He is the co-author of this study published in the PLOS Journal. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Uh, what got you exploring and investigating this in the first place? So celebrity suicides have been investigated um, for some time, but most of that study has been focused in Asia up to this point, Taiwan and Hong Kong. Um, in the U.S., we've only had a few celebrities, major celebrities that have um, died by suicide um, in the past uh, 70 or 80 years. Marilyn Monroe is one famous one in the 1960s and Kurt Cobain in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was the first chance to really look at this phenomenon in the U.S. and see how it's changed or, or adapted um, as our world has changed. Right. So Robin Williams, that was relatively recent, uh, August of 2014, very high profile, obviously. So then how do you go about trying to deduce, you know, the impact that it had? So one of the interesting things about this study in particular is once we started to look at the data, we didn't need fancy statistical models or anything else to see that something happened. It's very rare in our line of work where you see an effect that's so enormous that statistics are basically just relegated to the second level to try to estimate the effect. And so if we actually looked at when we just looked at the figure, you saw a very large spike that occurred in August and then continued for a few more months before returning to a normal level. Um, so the next step for us was then to just estimate how big that effect was. And doing that, we use more um, intricate statistical models that basically take into account 
the long-term time trends as well as the seasonal patterns to create an estimate of what we would expect to see. And then we can compare what we observed to what our models predicted. All right. So, And, and how significant was the uh, uptick then? Uh, it was quite a lot. It, the excess was about 1,800 deaths, and that's about a 10% increase during that time period. Wow. And so you're quite confident then that, that this is ab- well above what would have otherwise been expected. Yeah, there were a few pieces of evidence that helped support that. I mean, one was, again, the visual, uh, just looking at it, you could see that there was this very large uptick, and it, was, it just really doesn't make sense unless you can come up with something else that occurred at that time. So for this to not be attributed to Robin Williams, we need another event that occurred around that same time that would have induced such a large spike in suicides, and we just can't think of anything. Um, and furthermore, the the subsequent suicides, the biggest increases were seen in levels of people that shared demographic characteristics with Robin Williams. So middle-aged persons as opposed to adolescents or seniors, males over females, the same method was used and that was seen as the biggest increase. Um, And so these pieces come together to fit in a a well-known hypothesis that celebrity suicides that might open the door for people who are thinking about suicides to make it more legitimate for them, and in particular people who identify with that celebrity. Right. And so that's a real concern that, I mean, it's when it's that high profile, I don't know that, that it's information that can be hidden from the public. Obviously, I mean, it's, it's, it's a legitimate worry that those kinds of consequences might occur. So what, what does it tell us about how we need to, to approach these issues? So the World Health Organization has updated lists historically um, since at least 2004, and they've been adapted to nearly every country to provide some media guidelines that should be followed following a suicide event. And those really focus on not sensationalizing the event, not talking about the method that was used, not showing these grieving families, um, but instead focusing on the signs that typically exist, high-risk risk factors that we commonly see and behaviors we commonly see in people before they um, act Uh, in a suicidal manner, um, as well as providing hotlines, other information. And so none of those media guidelines were really followed. And in the U.S., uh, at least there was exceptions across the board. Um, And so one thing that this study hopes to do is really put focus back on those guidelines and at least try to follow them to see if that can make a difference. Right. And, and, and so I, I think this, this should at least make the, the issue more relevant in, in those of us who, who are tasked with covering these things to, to understand and appreciate uh, that it's not just a story about the death of a celebrity. It's something that could have a, a broader and deeper impact. And so I guess this kind of research just really helps to underscore that point, doesn't it? I believe so, and, and we've, I've heard it. Um, I've done uh, several interviews since this has come out, and I've had concerned editors um, with different, source, uh, different networks that, that saw this and really wanted to talk about it and were really confused and burdened by the, the thought that they can contribute to this and also how to deal with it because, as one person brought up, there's you know, natural parts of the system of media where there's turnover every few months and new people come in and policies need to change and everything else. Um, and so I think that at least this research is starting to spark that dialogue um, among people that their behavior can affect other people's behavior. Uh, the next step is to really figure out, hopefully, how to make the biggest effect so that when something like this happens, it doesn't just, we don't just prevent an increase, but we can hopefully even mitigate others and make this an opportunity to improve the population health as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Well, very important research, uh, as mentioned, David. Uh, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Really appreciate this. Hey, it was great talking with you. Likewise, there you go. That's uh, David Fink. He's an epidemiologist at Columbia University. So the co-author of this study, uh, somewhat surprising findings.
And again, it's not to say that the media can and shouldn't report on these things. Uh, I think there's a general policy in, in media that, you know, suicides aren't necessarily news or don't need to be reported on. But obviously, if someone high profile dies and their death would have otherwise been newsworthy, regardless of the circumstances, is not need to report on it. And that means reporting on the facts. So if it turns out to be a suicide, then we do have to report on that. But I think it's about how we, we tackle the issue. And I think that's what they're getting at. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.